you know, one day, church, you're going to wake up in the kingdom of God. One morning, you'll wake up in the presence of God. You're going to wake up and you're going to, the sun is going to fill the room and it's, it may not even be the sun. We may not even have the sun because the glory of God will be the light that we need. You'll hear the birds outside. You'll feel the warmth and of, of, the, of a summertime air. There won't be that rush of anxious feelings that come into us now with all the things that have to be done that day, the sense of scarcity, the sense of doubt that we'll have what it is that we need for the day. All of that will be gone. No, in fact, there'll be this sense of youthfulness to our soul. There'll be a sense of being young again to our body. Now, some of you under 50 don't know what I'm talking about, but oh man, that's gonna be good. As we go about our day, I don't know if there's going to be TV. I don't know if there's going to be uh, radio. I don't know what there's going to be. But as we listen to the news of the kingdom that morning, there'll be no news of injustice. There'll be no news of racism. There'll be no news of oppression. There'll be no news of death. In fact, there'll be no crime. There'll be no lying. There'll be no tears. There'll be no pain. There's no loss and there's no grieving. And the day will be about taking in the beauty of the place, the things that you think are most beautiful in the world. That'll be the place where your house is, by the way, where your mansion is. That'll be the place, where is it? Mine's going to be in Bora Bora, like there's room. Come on, build a house next to me. The freedom and joy of fellowship, friendship, intimacy as we were made, the likes of which we've only imagined as human beings right now and the fellowship of God will wake up one day, friends, and everything will be fully and completely restored. This, my friends, is what God is about. This is the God of restoration. There's a verse at the very end of chapter 21 of Revelation that gives us this teaching about what it is that God is about and that we're looking forward to. Look with me at Revelation 21. And by the way, we've got so much scripture coming this morning. So hopefully you'll have your devices out if you're here in the room. And if you're home, you've got your Bibles or your, or your devices. In fact, uh, anybody who can tell me at the end of the gathering, all, thank you, all of the uh, scriptures that I use, like list them and doesn't miss any, I got a hundred bucks for you. That's not true. I don't have a hundred dollars for you. But uh, this is going to be a Fire hose of good news from God's word. Are you got, are you ready? Can you hang with me in that? Are you ready to do that? Yeah. Revelation 21, thank you. Let's put that up there on the screen for us. This is John's vision. Then I saw, he says, a new heaven and a new earth. And it's in quotes because that's something the prophets have spoken of generations ago. This is what's coming. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. The sea was the place of of evil that's in their in their mythology and i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and i heard a loud voice from the throne and maybe that loud voice was jesus we don't know but look the loud voice said god's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, ready? I am making everything new. And then he said, you write this down. You count on these words. They are trustworthy and true. You do not forget it. This is like God, friends, in the kingdom of heaven saying to the world, listen, do not forget this. Write this down. I am a God who is making everything new. And that's the title of this morning's sermon as we begin this series of restoration. I am making everything new. Church, our God is making all things new. He's putting everything right. He's repairing everything that has been broken. He is healing everything that has deteriorated. He is reclaiming everything that has gotten lost. He is resurrecting everything that has been destroyed. Our God is the God of restoration. This is the hope that our hearts have to cling to. This is the only hope robust enough to get us through the life that we're living right now. And you see the, the, the present tense in that longing, I am making, I'm in the process of making everything new. And that's what this sermon series is going to be about. It's gonna be about this God who restores. One day it will all be restored, but it is a God who is now making things new. This is what our hearts need. This is what our world needs. And so as we go into this sermon series, I wanted to begin with some, some theological concepts that will create a foundation for this conversation about a God who restores. And so I'm going to blaze through them now. And some of you are like, I wish I had a notebook to take notes because I would get that $100 at the end of this. But you can always go back and watch this on our Vimeo channel. Okay, here we go. So some theological concepts as we go into our restoration series. Number one. There is a complete restoration of all things coming. There is a complete restoration of all things coming. It's now, but not yet. Or I would like to say it's not fully there yet, but it's now. There's a complete restoration coming, and it's also now. Well, let's talk about that restoration that's coming. That revelation passage that we read Much of the prophets, they foretold an Eden that is being recreated. It's going to be paradise. Why? Because there's no more sin. And so therefore, there's no more distance between us and God. And there's no more evil marring our view. There's no more temptation uh, dragging us down to be something that we weren't created to be. This is a full restoration of Eden and paradise in the presence of God. Jesus called it the renewal of all things. Look with me at verse uh, Matthew 19, chapter 19. Jesus said to them, truly, at, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, and then he's going to go on and say some stuff. You'll want to look that up for your $100. That, that he said, Jesus called it this, this renewal of all things. He said, I'm going to be on my throne. He goes on to say, that not only is there going to be renewal of all things, he goes, but I'm going to sit on my throne and you who have followed me are going to sit on thrones. And oh, by the way, you're going to help um, be in charge of all the 12 tribes of Israel, meaning all of God's people, you're going to share in Jesus's authority. And then he goes on to say, and everybody who has left houses or children or parents or family because of me, in other words, anything that you've ever lost or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive, anybody know, 100 times as much and will inherit eternal life. So here is this 
we're going to have blessing and significance and reward. What is at the renewal of all things. There's a full, complete renewal of everything coming. Oh, this is a new tattoo. This Greek word is so good. It's palingenesia. Palingenesia. Penangelesia tuto. Everything. Everything will be renewed completely. That palingenesia means palin from the word again. And genesia means genesis, the beginning. Again, the beginning. It's Eden being recreated. Uh, you see it? Everything as it was intended to be, Jesus said, one day will be. Oh man, that is a hope that is an anchor for our souls. And I'm here to tell you, if that wasn't amazing enough, the good news is that we're celebrating after Easter is that because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, that that's the beginning of that restoration here and now. That palingenesia that the Genesis again begins now, church. That restoration that we're talking about is starting now. See, we get stuck in this dualism of heaven and earth, like, right, that God's up there somewhere and our world's down here. There's temporal, there's eternal, there's the world, our world and the world to come. We think about heaven is glorious, or maybe you think it's boring. I'm not sure what you think about that, but you ought to be doing some reflecting on what palingenesia is gonna be, by the way, because it's every. Thing we've ever longed for. But we think about heaven and then we think about earth and there's this, this separation and we think, God, heaven's gonna be amazing and earth's gonna be a, this big old mess. But the truth is that the restoration is now. There's a new heaven and a new earth and that heaven, Revelation says, the new city of Jerusalem descends. Where does it descend to, friends? It's coming here. We're actually not going to heaven. Heaven is coming to us and everything that it was meant to be will be recreated and restored. And that begins now. It's not yet, but it is now. This is the hope large enough to overcome all the heartache of our world. Yeah, there is a complete restoration coming. It's not fully here, but it has begun. That is great news. That's the first theological concept. And so therefore, secondly, it shouldn't surprise us that this, the longing for this restoration is built into our very souls. It's what we've been looking for all along. It's what we were made for. We were made to be kingdom people. We were made to experience this genesis, this, this, this paradise, this Eden, this restoration. It's been calling to us throughout our whole lives. We've searched for it as a children when we, when we had imaginary games and when we played heroes and, and, and when we ran through the woods and when we built rope swings and when we built our, made forts and th this is all about our imagination. It's always been in us, this longing for things as they should be. We found it in fairy tales and in films. We've, we hear it in a piece of music or in a photo um, not because the kingdom of God is in it, but because he's calling to us from that place. You see, God knew that we would need to be wooed into this restoration. And so he wove it into the very earth, friends. Come on now, does that not resonate with you? He wove that beauty. He wove 
what it should be and what will be into our very existence here, into creation. And so it stirs us when we glimpse it. Every moment of beauty, every time our gifts are fully used, every pregnancy that we see, every tear that we share, every, every time we give or receive real love, every beautiful day of vacation, every good news stories we hear about a hero fighting injustice in all of that. Even in the brokenness of our world, we see how things should not be. And there's a secret longing in all of our passions, all of our hobbies, that's part of this coming restoration of life as it should be. God, it says, the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 3, has put eternity in the human heart. This is why restoration is such very good news to our soul because it's not some by and by kingdom that we suffer on earth and then one day we're gonna be up in glory. No, it, the restoration of, is not something that we can barely get our minds around. It is the renewal of things, listen, exactly as we long for them to be and it begins now. So this restoration is coming and uh, um, it's going to be complete, and it's starting now. And secondly, it's built into our very souls. We've been looking for it all along. I tell you that second point because I just, I, I want you to know that when you long, whatever it is you long for, there's a slice of God's kingdom in that longing. That's a hunger that God has put in you for things as they should be. We're ravenous souls, we human beings. And the things that we are passionate about or even the things that we'll give our hearts away for, I have so much grace for whatever junk you've given your heart to because you're simply longing for the restoration. Oh man, and he's the answer. That's why I get so pumped. That's why we say this is good news because we know that he's the answer to all in our, uh, of the human longings. Well, third theological principle, and this is, the good news just keeps coming. Jesus is coming inaugurated the ministry of restoration. This restoration that we're talking about, Jesus is coming inaugurated. He began it. The kingdom of God had come. That's what Jesus said. He came to announce it at the very beginning of his ministry. Mark chapter one is one of the examples. Look at this verse. After John was put into prison, John the Baptist that was, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming, what is he proclaiming, friends? Oh, the good news. The time has come, he said. Oh, that moves me. The time has come. Here's Jesus, been in heaven for eternity waiting to come and rescue humanity. The time has come, he said. Turn around and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. That's what Jesus came to bring. The kingdom of God has come near. You see, this is what the miracles are all about. This is, this is he came to say, God has landed here, that God's presence is here, God's rule is here, God's power is here. Jesus coming inaugurated this ministry of restoration. And so the world is suffering and the human condition is hopeless until God has now showed up in the presence of Jesus and said, the kingdom of God has come near. Here we go. No one who, and, 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 those, and, and then he started to do miracles, and that's what those miracles were about. They were signs and wonders where everybody is like, what is happening? And the answer is, oh, palingenesia, all things are being made new. 
And so he healed broken things, right? He brought sight where there was blindness. This is what he did. And no one who could see those signs would miss the point. The deaf heard, the blind saw, the dead were raised. It was a great restoration. And so he and all his followers began to proclaim the rule of God. At Pentecost, Peter uh, was preaching a sermon. Pentecost is where the Holy Spirit came to the church just after the resurrection of Christ. And Peter was preaching a sermon. I'd love to have you look with me at Acts chapter 3 where he connects uh, the healing, the restoration, that is, of a man who, was, uh, who couldn't walk. And he connects that to this full restoration that is to come. It is that sign, that simple uh, symbol of this full restoration that is coming even now. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg your indulgence. I don't have it on the screen, so hopefully you have a Bible with you. If you don't, then you can listen because it's, you know, God's word is super uh, um, relatable. We can tell it as a story. But I want to read Acts chapter 3 because there's so much in her. And if there's nothing else that you carry away, I want you to have fallen in love with this chapter and the restoration that it proclaims. Acts chapter 3, starting verse four. Verse one, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It was three in the afternoon. And now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple uh, gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Oh man, this will preach right now, by the way. This guy's got some need. And he thought to himself, if I could just get a little bit of money to eat. Like he, he, this is somebody experiencing the wreckage of sin and the Garden of Eden. And all what he wanted was, oh man, if I could just have a little money, I just need a little bit. But he had no idea how his life was going to change and the restoration that was going to come. It was so much bigger than that. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Now, I don't know what's going on right now. I just want to get all up in somebody's grill right now. I just want to get all up in somebody's, like he's like, look at me. I'm going to tell you something that will rock your planet. He's all. Sorry, where was I? So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Oh, this is the restoration. This is the restoration. This is everybody's story. Come on now. This is everybody's story. He's all, you listen to me. What you think you need, I don't have any of that. But what I have, I'm going to give you right now. Jesus has come to bring restoration. This is your story. I cannot see my Bible. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles were restored. 
he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them, them into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized this same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. You think? And when the man held on, while the man held on to Peter and John, that's such a great picture, right? In your head. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were assembled and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Just let that sit now, church. Jesus has come and started this great restoration. Why does this surprise you? That his work would be manifest in our lives. Why does this surprise you, fellow Israelites? Why do you stare at us as if, listen, by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he was ready to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you instead. You killed the author of life, but God, but God. Come on, somebody say, but God. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you, who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had said through the prophets, saying that the Messiah would suffer. And then he says this, Peter says, repent then, turn around, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Now, don't miss this. I'm going to put it on the screen. Verse 21. Heaven must receive him. That's Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to what? What does it say? Restore everything as he promised. There's a time coming when everything will be restored and Jesus inaugurated and it becomes now as well. And that's what all those miracles showed. There's a time coming and yet Jesus is now already bringing it about until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised. That word restore is another great tattoo word. Here it is. We're going to get it in the Greek. Apocatastasis. Come on now. Apocatastasis, and it means, ready, listen, to put something back into its original condition. That's like palingenesia, Eden recreated. It's to put us back into what we were originally destined to be in the mind of God. The other texts and Jesus' stories, I don't have time to read them, Jesus' stories throughout, he, when he says, and he touched a man and his sight was completely restored. It's apocatastasis. It's this completely brought back to how it used to be. A man with a shriveled hand, a man with leprosy, it was clean, just like the other one, just as it was originally designed to be. The Messiah came and was 
going to restore things to their original condition. Jesus and his followers did this. They demonstrated clearly that God doesn't dwell in some high and by place and that one day we may get a taste of what that's supposed to be, but now we're stuck on earth. No, Jesus made it clear that the great restoration has begun. In fact, from Luke chapter seven, when John the Baptist's disciples were sent to ask Jesus, remember this, they were sent to ask Jesus. John, John said, hey, you go ask him, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the hope? Are you the Messiah who will bring the palingenesia? Like this is what John sent his disciples to do. And when his disciples came to Jesus, they said, hey, John wants to know, are you the one? Jesus said, you go tell them this. Remember this? The blind have received sight. You go tell him the lame walk. You go tell him the deaf can hear. You go tell him those who have leprosy are cleansed. The dead are raised. You tell him the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Jesus is saying the restoration is on. You tell him that. Am I the one? I'm the one. Jesus inaugurated the ministry of restoration. And I'm going to blaze through these, but I'm going to mention some things so you can study on your own. His resurrection forth secured that final victory over sin and death. His resurrection secured it. That's why we're celebrating this this concept of restoration after Easter, after the resurrection that we celebrated, because it is what sealed the deal. It ensures that the promise is going to happen. It ensured that there is victory over death. His resurrection, and he demonstrated that he would raise others as well, that that we would be given life, the ultimate restoration. And when he defeated death in his resurrection, he brought us back into a relationship with God. Colossians 1.13 says that he rescued us from the dominion, the kingdom, the ownership of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Second Timothy chapter one, it says that he destroyed death and he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. His resurrection secured the deal that there would be now no chance for death and sin to have its way. Restoration is now happening. And the man, the incredible news, fifth point that I don't want you to miss is that that same power, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us now. That same power, that that up there for us, thank you. That is at work in us now. Romans chapter eight says it really clear. Uh, Look at this, Romans 8, 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, what church? lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by his same spirit living within you. This is because the spirit is a deposit guaranteeing life. This is the streams of living water idea. This is where Paul prayed for for the Ephesians that they would have eyes of understanding, that they would know the glorious riches of their inheritance in the saints and their incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is like the working, he said, of the resurrection power, the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That's Ephesians 1, 19. Put that in your log. This is the power 
that is at work within us. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And so finally, what do we do with it? This principle in scripture, number six, we put on that new self which is being renewed, which is being restored. We put it on. It's being restored in the knowledge of the image of its creator. That's from Colossians chapter three. You see, we are survivors of the wreckage of Eden, and we can hardly imagine what it's like to be restored. But it has been given to us that we can put it on, the text says. We can put off living without God, and we can put on this restoration power. We can live into the spirit um, within us. We can hardly imagine it because of the wreckage in our lives and in our world. And so instead, we just find ways to cope We find ways to live as we are. We find ways to just settle into what has always been and how everybody else is living. And we don't live in the stream of restoring living water that the Spirit of God is providing from within. Church, the takeaway here is you put it on. You put on that new self, as Paul calls it. You enter into the process of being continually renewed. This begins with the simple concept of choosing to live under the kingdom of Jesus, the rule and the reign and the transforming power of God as our Lord. This is why Jesus taught us to say, to pray. When he he said, this is how you should pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your restoration come. We submit to that. Church, if we want it, we can live into it. So I'm watching the the seasons change. My bike rides or my runs or sitting in my back porch or just through the windows with my coffee and my morning quiet times. I'm watching spring come from winter and even summer on its way. I see the leaves from the trees budding. I see the sun rising earlier and warmer, and I realize that winter really is now gone for good. The metaphor of spring and summer coming, especially in this time of COVID, screams to us that metaphor that God is renewing and restoring all things. It's right there woven into creation for us to see every day. Things are being restored back to what they were intended to be. It's now, but it's not yet, not fully. And that can be discouraging but we must not let it keep us from appropriating the resurrection life that is within us by God's Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis, I'll end with this quote. Speaking of this restoration that has been initiated, he says this, to be sure, it feels wintry enough still, right? Doesn't it? But often in early spring, it feels that way. The spring comes slowly this time. But the great thing is that the corner has been turned. There is, of course, this difference that in the natural spring, the crocus cannot choose whether it will respond or not. We can. We have the power of either resisting the spring and sinking back into the cosmic winter or going on to live in the midsummer glory in which our leader, the Son of Man, already dwells and to which he is calling us. It remains with us to follow or not, to die in this winter or to go on into that spring and summer. Church, our God is making all things new. 
He is putting everything right. He is repairing everything that is broken. He is healing everything that is deteriorated. He is reclaiming everything that has gotten lost. He is resurrecting everything that has been destroyed. Behold, he said, I am making all things new. Our God is the God who restores. This series, this season, let us move into that spring and summer experiencing that same power that raised Jesus from the dead to bring life that we long for. Let's worship him and the good news of Jesus.